This is Solo Episode 30. Guess what? You're going to be in a reality competition show. You can take anything that you're talented in, from dancing to dog training, anything goes. It's totally acceptable. It just needs to be something where you can demonstrate your abilities and showcase the well-earned results of a process. So, there's only one catch. There's only one judge. And depending on that judge's mood, uh, this might not seem like the worst thing in the world, but this is a big reason why the show hasn't really gained a lot of notoriety compared to the others in its genre, like, you know, American Idol or So You Think You Can Dance. Real talk, this judge is really tough. Uh, the judge is so tough that he's not only interrupted performances and made tearful exits sort of the norm, this judge has actually had people quit, like permanently quit, the skill that they actually demonstrated. So, you think you still might want to try this out? Now, you've probably figured out so far that the judge in question is you. Well, not really you, you, but the inner critic inside your head, the troll guarding the bridge outside of your comfort zone that's wreaking havoc on all your attempts to take on new challenges or demonstrate your improvement. So how do you silence that critic? Well, here's a little dance lesson that can apply to any skill where that troll of a judge might rear its ugly head. We call it the three ways we improve. So now if you imagine we've got three judges, and instead of just that one troll of a judge, we've got three. So the first judge that we have is how something looks. This can be now from a distance, if someone was observing somebody dancing, for example, that somebody on the outside could observe it and they could say that, wow, that was very pleasing to the eye. I really enjoyed the way that that looked. Um, the second judge is how things feel to your partner. Well, for what we do, we teach partner dancing, and so your partner can have a viewpoint, they can have an assessment, they can measure and see progress in a way that's different from how it looks, and it's based on how things feel. And then we get to the third judge. <laughs> oh, that third judge. This is the category of how it feels to you. And unfortunately, in this category, this judge wants to hoard all the focus. This judge wants to override the other judge's opinions. And they also, and this judge also wants to invalidate any data that they're presenting that could be positive. A good example could be that someone walks up to one of the, if, this, if we're talking dancing, someone walks up and says, your dancing looked great out there. And that judge speaks up, whispers a little something in the ear and says, it didn't look great because it didn't feel great. Or your dance partner says, wow, it felt a lot better when you made that transition. And then that judge pipes in and says, she's just saying that because she's your dance partner. So how do we get over this judge, this curmudgeon, this troll that keeps piping up just when the progress seems to be picking up? Well, the first way that we're going to do this is we're going to add credibility 
to some of the other judges. We're going to add credibility to the opinions of others. A great place to start is we're going to look at historical examples of great performances in pop culture where the external view or the result was far better than what the internal challenges might have been. So if we want to look into, into the world of sports, it's a really great place to look. One great example is Brett Favre. Um, on the day that his father passed away, uh, Brett Favre had to decide, and, and in, a, in a quote, he said, you know, within five minutes, he had to decide whether he was going to play the game or not, and he decided that he was going to do it. And in one half of football, he played one of the greatest games of his entire life. Now, he finished with almost 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. He had a 154.9 NFL passer rating, and he never posted a higher rating in his entire 302-game career. And he only had two games where he passed more yards, and this is all in the first half of the game. It's obvious that he was not feeling good on the inside, and yet he knew that he had to, a job to do on the outside, and he did it, and he did it in fantastic fashion. Another great example that we could look at is if you've ever seen ballet or any type of dancer, if you've ever seen somebody do something where you say, gosh, they make it look so easy. Well, one thing that we always say in dancing is that it takes a lot of hard work to make something look easy. I think, you know, if you've ever seen ballerinas, you know, they when they're on point and then you see what happens, what their feet look like when they take their shoes off and you go, oh, my gosh. And there's a great example of on the outside, it looks elegant and it looks beautiful and from a distance, you can appreciate the beauty of it, but you don't necessarily see all the hard work that goes into it. You don't see the pain that they're struggling through and all the, the tension in their muscles and all the different things that they have to do to get to that point. One of my favorite examples that I like to use all the time is Michael Jordan's flu game. And in June 11th, 1997, it was game five of the NBA Finals, and it was the Chicago Bulls and the Utah Jazz, and uh, Michael Jordan, for different reasons, people have speculated on why he felt this way, but he had flu-like symptoms um, to the point where he was hobbled over. He needed his teammate Scottie Pippen to carry him off the court, and he still scored 38 points, had seven rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block, and you know that he was feeling horrible on the inside for whatever reason, and yet his exterior performance still prevailed. Now, these are really great historical examples of how that judge, the judge that can just appreciate the view of the result, actually has a very important opinion, and it's irrefutable. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to have some type of mentor. We'll call it a fiery mentor. This is someone that's going to go head-to-head -head with that troll judge that you have that's in your head. Oftentimes what happens when we're attempting something outside of our comfort zone, when we're trying something, when we're really putting in our best effort, when we don't see the fruits of the process that we're in, it's like being stuck in traffic. It's not just traffic. Let's say it's L.A. traffic. Take that, L.A. But... Your fiery mentor, your trusted advisor, this is the person that's in the traffic helicopter. This is the person that can see the full view of when things break up, and they're going to communicate that to you, even if it means that they ruffle your feathers. 
I loved reading the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, and it's his autobiography. He's the, the founder of Nike, and he's a big history buff, and he used the quote from MacArthur that you are remembered for the rules that you break. And I think that any great teacher, any great mentor, they're willing to break the rules for the sake of your own progress. Think about it. Would you rather have somebody who would just agree with you, would just let you operate beneath your potential, would just step aside and deliver only what you asked for, or would you rather have a a coach or a mentor that would fight you, that would get right in your face, that would be like Red from the Rocky movies, that would challenge you for the sake of what you're capable of? So now they can't just be upset all the time and they can't just challenge you for the sake of challenging you. But what they're going to do is this mentor is going to provide evidence. One of the things that we lack when we are lacking that perspective is we don't really see any of the progression that we've made in some of these really, really little details. The other thing that this mentor does is keeps track of the micro results, not just big wins and losses. The same This same type of coach, if this was golf, could celebrate something as small as what your back foot did on a golf swing, even if the golf ball didn't go as far as you wanted it to go. Bottom line, you need a mentor that's going to know what you're capable of, but also has the permission to challenge you to get there. The third thing that we need to mute the inner critic is to diversify. Essentially, what this means is that we're going to let all three of these judges, even the troll, we're going to let all three of these judges sit on the dais of this reality show, which is you going outside your comfort zone. We're going to let how it looks sit on the panel. We're going to let a mentor or an advisor sit on the panel. Then we're also going to have your opinion of how it felt to you sitting on the panel. But now, instead of your opinion of how it felt to you, taking up 100% of the vote, now we've diversified. We now can segment it out, and I'm now going to acknowledge that I can make progress even if I don't feel good. I can make progress even if only my coach sees that I made progress. I can make progress even if it looked bad, if I watched it on video, and yet my coach felt that I made progress, that I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust my coach. And most importantly is that we can always make progress even if we don't feel like we agree with it. Now, very rarely, all three of these things are going to all collide at once. It's kind of like the planets are all in alignment. I think, you know, I remember uh, a moment in competition where it felt like all of three of those things came together. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed with, with this wonderful, like, joy. And I looked at Daisy and it was like all of the the fight or flight instincts of being out in a pressure packed competition dance floor. Uh, it just all subsided and it truly felt like one of those moments where everything around us just completely melted away. And then I always followed that up by saying, and then I blacked out and I have no idea what happened next. But for that one, you know, 10 second moment where we just made eye contact and then we danced, it just had that feeling. And, And it's rare, and it's an elusive thing, and yet that's what you're constantly working for. 
But the one thing that's nice is that to know that I am not going to be beholden to my own self-destructive opinion of myself when it comes to me making progress. And I definitely am not going to let my own opinion stop me from attempting to go outside of my comfort zone. So the best investors know how to have a diverse stock portfolio. And the best chefs know how to plate a dish where they diversify the meal to create an experience when you just eat dinner. And so you've got to now accept the fact that you have a diverse way of making progress and it's not just going to be your opinion that's going to hold court and dictate the tempo. So I'm going to close with a quote that I put on Instagram that got a lot of great feedback and, um, and I think that it's kind of fun, but, uh, the quote is, your inner critic has a lousy resume and should be fired immediately. At some point, and maybe it's just something that it, they were born into the job, but that inner critic got the job and for some reason we keep employing them regardless of how many negative things they say and how many negative opinions they've had that have stopped us from doing positive things. And I hope that Somewhere along the line in this talk, or if it's in another episode, something that we are covering on this podcast is going to shake you loose of that. It's going to help you see the traffic for what it is. It's going to give you the view from the traffic helicopter, and it's going to help you truly take that leap outside your comfort zone to cross that bridge and to keep that troll right where they belong. <laughs>